And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 296 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, November 4th, 2021. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and really, honestly, the only guy who could possibly reconcile the relationship of Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr., Mr. (laughs) Joe Polizzi. You did not. You did not just go there. (laughs) Yeah, I did. That's very unfortunate that you went there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. What's up? Okay. Uh, yeah. I, have, I knew this would send you yeah, into well, a rant. I yeah. perp- <laughs> First of all, congratulations to your Cowboys. They can win even with a quarterback that has thrown one pass in three years. It's That's amazing. Right. So you've got everything working for you. Now, I, I have purposely not gone too much down the rabbit hole with Odell and Baker and whatnot. But what's with Odell's father? putting out an 11-minute video on all the time that Odell is open. I mean, you know yeah. precisely what that will do. It oh, was very it, yeah. calculated I mean, you, to do that. Yes. And then a day later, or maybe the day, but at least I saw the news a day later, they're like, oh, Odell Beckham Jr. is not with the Browns anymore. I'm like, okay, what kind of crazy... This is This is Browns craziness from... 10 years ago or five years ago that we saw yeah, where you get a whole right. soap opera going on has nothing to do with football. I just, I thought we the were The fact that he that. is with the team, but not with the team, right? The coach comes out and says, he's essentially not on the team anymore. <laughs> essentially. I love that Essentially, word. <laughs> when, when the coach says you're essentially not on the team, you're not on the team. Yeah, you're, you don't need the qualifier. Right. You know? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> you're essential. No, it's not essentially. You're just not on the team anymore. It's like it's like you're. Yeah. Well, what happened to to Joe Bob? Well, Joe Bob is essentially dead. Well, Joe Bob's dead. Yeah, exactly. You know what that yeah. means? Yeah. I just. <laughs> you're essentially fired. He's, you're almost dead. He's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, another Princess Bride reference. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little bit torn. Obviously, I was at the game. Uh, you know, you and you and JK were texting after I, as, as you know, I didn't respond to any of those because I was, I was heart hurt yeah. because we no and congratulations to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I'm sorry, the Cleveland Browns are a much more talented team and they beat us they and are. they beat us. And it's just at home and you're like, here it is again. We can't catch a break. So, yeah, well, you know, here's the thing. It's uh, the, I think this has everything to do with, uh, you know, I mean, the the one thing that the Browns finally have is a great coaching staff. And the, you know, what's gone on, you know, I mean, look, there's no doubt the team has suffered through injuries. You've had tons of injuries. Um, and... You know, you got a couple of players back for this game and and all of that, but it, at the end of the day, this whole <laughs> this whole argument with with Baker, maybe I mean, just for all for 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 the record, anybody in the NFC East and all of our New York Giants fans would have said, yeah, t- 
told you so. <laughs> you know, it's like this, this, this was not, this is not a surprise from, from that particular player. Well, to, to the, def- look, from an athletic standpoint to his defense, he had a lot of, and you know this two weeks ago, he had a lot of drop balls and, yes. but he is injured. I think both his shoulders are injured right now and he's playing through yes. that. So great, great for him. But with those injuries, he becomes probably the fourth best ride receiver on that team with the injuries. That's right. Exactly. Odell right. Beckham Jr. in his prime, uh, not healthy. In his prime. That's healthy. The key, right. Well, I want, that's we key. want that. We want that player. Um, but I don't know. It's it's weird. I don't know what it is. Where realistically, Baker does find other options, usually successfully, to throw to. So whatever. That's fine. I, I hope this is the right decision. I hope Stefanski, who's the who's the coach, the Browns coach, just said, "Look, we're not going to have any of this. We're a better team without these kind of distractions." And right now, he was sort of the only distraction. So good. That's right. You're I done. Totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, you know that it, from being a is, Cowboys fan. All the distractions absolutely. that you get. Oh my God, Dez, Dez was, was huge. you know. I mean, yeah. it was when when they cut Dez, it was you. There was going to be a revolt in Dallas, and but. If you saw, if you thought about it for more than five seconds, you kind of went, "Yeah, it's the right thing to do." I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's not as prime anymore. He's not prime Des. You know, the the lifespan of a receiver in the NFL is short, <clears throat> and you know, there it is the rare receiver who can last, you know, years and years and years. It's just tough on the body, and it's tough on you know, age quickly catches up with you and your speed and. You know all that stuff. So it's it's you know it's it is what it is. And and you know Beckham was always good at the circus catches, but you know he he always dropped as many balls as he caught. No, oh, this year's that's true. That's he's. I think he has the worst percentage of of he does for drops in the league. So that, yeah. I mean that's that's a pretty decent stat to look at. So. Right. And then and then you have right. Jarvis Landry last week, who never drops a pass, who's never dropped a pass in his whole career, drops three critical passes in the fourth quarter. So yeah. what what whatever. Anyways, how are you? Uh, how, how, are, how are things on <laughs> yeah, in California? Enough, these enough days. of that nonsense football. <laughs> it's beautiful. It is fall. It is uh, things are good. It is uh, it is a lovely time of year. We're having great outside weather and. We seem knock on wood, knock on everything that is that is wood like. Um, we have skipped, it seems, uh, fire season, um, which, which is, has become a sort miracle. of a tradition around yeah. here in California. Yeah, it's just you know the 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 way the weather pattern seems to be happening right now with the rain that we're getting in Northern California and the cooler temperatures here and the lack of real you know heavy Santa Ana winds has just been it's been lovely. We've just avoided a lot of the crappy fire season that we typically get so we get through thanksgiving and i think we will have made it all the way through so it's it's uh it's it's a it's a it's a great time of year i'm a little bummed that we're i walked into the grocery store last week and there was i'm not even kidding above the cash register and this there was a pumpkin a turkey and a christmas tree they were they were decorating for all of it like they just you know i like that approach they just went screw it. We're doing just, all of yeah, it. We're, just a total you know, blitz. Just go wide. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna target yeah. at all. We're just gonna, we're not gonna we're, we're gonna put know, out uh, the leprechaun, everything. the Easter bunny, yeah, exactly, yeah. all at the same time. 
And then it's just literally happy and point your finger up and say, pick whichever one it happens no, no, to be. Is that, does that so, mean that the, the, the shop owner uh, just gave up on life? I mean, isn't that what it's telling you? It's just like, I'm so sick of is. living. I'm just going to throw all this out at the same time. And, and yeah. that's it. They, they have that's to deal. That's it. They're just sort of throwing up their hands and saying, nope. They're just noping out we, of the whole sort of trying well, to Well, it's so interesting. Things. So, you know, when we were in Chicago for a Build a Better Agency Summit and our wonderful friend Drew was up at the front. And you said this at Content Marketing World, too. But you basically said, let's let's have some grace, right? Let's give a little bit. That's right. There's, we yeah. were short-staffed all the way around, and, and um, especially with the, the servers and those types of things. And, and, of course, now you go into a restaurant of any kind, and they almost immediately say, hey – we're short-staffed, so it's going to be longer than normal. And I think <laughs> you're just like that, – that, that's going into every part of our life right now. Like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, we can only decorate one time in three months. So here you go. <laughs> we just right. – yes, we're short-staffed. Exactly right. It's only me. It's the manager. I'm doing checkout. I'm bagging the groceries. I'm going ahead and buying through the supply chain. I, like, it's, it's only me in the store. So please – <laughs> that's it though this is what you get yeah it's, but it's crazy it, i don't it, know i mean i don't know how many times in the last three months that you've been out to eat or doing something or going out because we you know my wife and i we do like love doing the patio stuff so we'll go out we'll go sit at a patio especially when it's nice weather in cleveland we'll sit down and first thing that says hey sorry i was late we're short-staffed i hope you know and then then of course that's that's your expectations which is great but now it's trickling into everything. It's like, oh, say, I'm sorry you bought this new car. It doesn't have seats. We were short staff. We we couldn't get you a car with seats. I mean, that's how we're gonna go. You know? Maybe I'm exaggerating. It is. <laughs> well, a little bit. I mean, I, I, maybe just a little. <laughs> maybe just a little. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, the, who knows the supply chain on turkeys? Maybe a lot of you know, they're not. It's not gonna be available. Not gonna have. Well, my 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 wife is out there shopping right now. She's like, I'm not. She's like, she's taking it. She's taking the 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 mainstream news coverage at its word, right? That it's that nothing's. Well, that be started a month Christmas ago, and, right? I mean, because I covered it in my, yeah, my personal right. newsletter. It was you know the, how many. It was what in I think it was late September. All the media coverage was like, oh, get your get your toys now because they're not going to be in right for Christmas or holiday or whatever you celebrate. Yep. So yeah. There. Anyways. So, oh, hey, before we start, we need to talk about yes, 300. 300. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. We need to talk about 300. So, first of all, thank you. Uh, it's been a little overwhelming. It's great. Uh, which has been really nice. The amount Using of questions. Using the hashtag this old marketing. The hashtag oh. is lighting up and, and email and all of that stuff. So, so, thank you for all of that. Um, keep it coming. Um, we definitely want to see more and more questions. Those are great. Hashtag us up at this old marketing on Twitter. We've also added two other capabilities. If you are not a Twitter user or just don't want to use Twitter for whatever reason, you can come to this old marketing our website. And as we speak, we're implementing like a little tool that you can record audio. Uh, so you can actually record yourself asking a question. We'd love to get a couple of those sure. in there too, just so that you can add your voice to our wonderful episode of 300. 
Or quite frankly, you can do it the old fashioned way. You can use our contact form and just send us a link to your audio file, right? Stick it on iCloud or Dropbox or whatever file sharing you know that you want. Just give us a link, stick a link in the contact form and send us a link. So we'd love to get your audio too, so that we can include that as part of the yeah, episode. And keep, and keep it clean. You know, certain people know who they are. I mean, let's come on. <laughs> no, but, no, but we're, so we've gotten in a lot of questions. So it's going to be very difficult. But we have. We're, we're giving away, you know, is, you're you're going to do um, Killing Marketing. So every every question That's right. that we have on the 300th episode that we include, we'll get a copy of Killing Marketing. Robert's donating that. And then I'm donating uh, $50 yep. of Tilt Coin that you will get as well. So you get, theoretically, $51 in value. Uh, <laughs> right? Exactly. No, what's killing marketing worth this on open market? I don't know. 15 bucks, 20 bucks. Yeah. Something like that. But it's more, it, yeah, it's really, really inherently cash equivalent way more value. Yeah. Yeah. But that'll be fun. So, yeah, I was very surprised by all of this old marketing hashtag questions already. Some, some very good questions. Oh, it's been great. Yeah. No, they're great questions. Fun, some fun questions as well. Um, and so, yeah, it's, 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 uh, we're looking forward to it and we're going to be getting ready for that. We've also got some special things that we might be doing as well. So, you know, you'll want to tune into that because we are going to be doing, uh, some different things that, you know, we'll start to tease out here in the next week or two. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Um, should we get into sure. the news? Should we talk about like Biz, news? You know stuff? what? It was right. unfortunate last week. I think that we were recording right. We were as literally meta, recording as the as announcement. The meta That's Facebook. Right announcement happen that's exactly right we were literally recording as the announcement went down and so if you're wondering why we didn't cover this last week it's because well it you know as we record on thursdays facebook didn't listen to us we called them and said listen you should basically wait or do this early uh, so that we can cover it if it was an hour manner. difference we we could have actually done an almost live reading of uh, that's but, that's but true did not so and and zuckerberg called us back and said no no i'm not going to do that that's your zuckerberg impression yeah. no yeah no yeah. i'm no. not moving my lips when i talk <laughs> <laughs> there should be an earth shattering kaboom um <laughs> all right <laughs> Let's talk about Facebook yes. or Meta, as it were, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about a couple of different things here. One, of course, is the you know evolution to the word Meta and the Metaverse. What this means in the sort of context of marketing of companies of media and everything we talk about on this show. And um, but we'll also include because you can't not include it as you know in literally as as the rebranding of meta was taking place so were the launch of the facebook papers which is just a, a brilliant marketing campaign from the media intriguing um, timing and yes <laughs> yeah it's almost, almost like facebook hmm. knew it's, that yeah, the facebook papers were coming out but no go ahead I, you know it's just yeah. you know i mean i talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks yes. ago and what i thought here but you know uh, pr stunts we'll if you will no go ahead hmm. yes please hmm 
Anyway, so the Axios uh, article that we'll link to in the show notes reports based on leaked whistleblower documents from Facebook known as the Facebook Papers. I love how they branded it. Um, appeared on a broad range of news outlets on Monday, shedding light on what companies the company knew about harms caused on its platform and how it handled that information. Why does it matter, says Axios? Because the reports paint a detailed picture of Facebook's efforts over the years to grapple with major problems from hate speech to inciting violence while continuing to pursue its business objectives. Details the report so far draw three big conclusions. One, Facebook is struggling to police information abroad. Uh, Two, Facebook is grappling with an aging user base. (laughs) Shockingly. Um, And three, Facebook struggles to police content that leads to radicalization and mental health issues. And so, basically, the article concludes these reports are all based on the same set of thousands of pages of documents obtained by whistleblower Francis Haugen, who is set to testify in front of UK regulators on Monday. That would be probably Monday of uh, next week, I would think. Uh, Or not, actually, Monday of this week. Um, And so, um, that we will pair with, and then we can sort of open it up, and I want to totally get your take on this because this is right up your alley, Um, the idea of the metaverse itself. Like, what the heck are we talking about here? And there we'll link to a couple of articles, one that is sort of just an overview of the metaverse, and that's from Engadget. thought it was a pretty good description of it. And two would be a Wired article that just came out that talks about how the metaverse is simply big technology but even bigger um, and is a really sort of more in-depth exploration of what the metaverse is. So throw all that into a big pot of fall stew. Uh, and what do you what do you think, Mr. Polizzi? What's going on here with this Facebook, Facebook papers, meta and the metaverse? Well, so, so first of all, with the Facebook papers, it's almost like the major media outlets just didn't feel like it was hitting home. So they said, let's like, this is real. Like there's so much evidence on this. We have to give it a name. So it, it's pretty damning evidence. It's horrible. If you go through even the, you know, the cut and paste job that Axios does here with what, what all the stuff that's gone right. on, yeah. it's horrible that they knew about certain things that happened, that misinformation and they didn't do and they And so let's just, let's just tell it like it is. And you and I have on this program a lot. Uh, Facebook is a hundred percent motivated by revenues and profits and they'll do anything for more of that. Um, which, Whatever. There are a lot of companies out there that do the same thing. You know, you could you could look back at Big Oil. You could look back at Philip Morris that made decisions. And I think that you have to put now in the conversation when you talk about companies like a Philip Morris and what happened with uh, with cigarettes. And I think you have to look at the same thing that's going on, and maybe even worse of what's going on here. And it's so it's a tragedy. Now, what the decision. That Facebook makes made eerily coincidental timing uh, with this whole meta thing is brilliant. I think that, and and by the way, we know this. Uh, he's been talking about Zuckerberg has been talking about the metaverse for a long time. I feel bad for Neil Stevenson, the author of Snow Crash, who gave birth to this idea of the metaverse. By the way, have you have you read Snow Crash? Oh yes, Snow Crash. I, yes. By the way, read Snow. Great. Read book. Snow Crash Fantastic because it's book. a great science fiction book, but also because it's training for what's <laughs> what may happen. It is very soon. <laughs> it's exactly so. It. So yeah. this is what I see. I wanted to get your take on on 
what I feel is happening. We, we've talked about on this show the, the idea of where tokenization, digital property, the metaverse is going. And the whole idea of the metaverse to me is that you have, a, you have real property like your car and your house, and you will have digital property. And we've seen this first in, in art, I mean, with non-fungible tokens, and we've, with, with Blau and music, we've, we covered that a couple weeks ago, and he's selling basically you know, music experiences digitally that people can own. This is just step 0.5. I think we're just getting out of the dugout here as we go. But there is going to be a place where digital property is owned, and we either can have that ownership on independent websites and independent locations on the metaverse where we can take our uh, branded Nike shoes that we bought as digital property. We can take them into Roblox and Minecraft and all these other communities and into meetings. And that'll be great. We can do that. They're portable. Or we can do what Facebook wants to have happen. And this is very strategic and a very smart move. Facebook is trying to be the IOI of, of the metaverse. Facebook wants to be the walled garden. They want all these assets and the NFTs and the property to happen within Facebook. And Facebook is serves that up. And it's brilliant because we've, as we've talked about, Facebook is the one big social tech company that doesn't own control their supply chain because they have to give, because Apple has the iOS devices and you've got Google with the Android. So they have to go through another person, another entity to get their information out. Facebook, Zuckerberg hates that. So now he's like, ah, we can own this portion of the metaverse and everybody has to play by our rules, which honestly is really scary because I believe in a decentralized metaverse, if, if we're going to call it the metaverse, and Facebook is coming. So from their standpoint, I think it's brilliant. They're putting whatever, $10 billion and 10,000 employees or whatever crazy numbers to this effort in in getting AR and trying to make that uh, purchase of Oculus worth something. I don't know where it's going to go, Robert. I want to get your take on this, but that's kind of the way I see it. They want to build this walled garden virtual world and everyone else is fighting against that. And, uh, and I think it's, it's great move on their part uh, because it fits right along with (laughs) their strategy of having to go through them to basically do everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's, it's, so there's a reason I think that we're, we're giving it this much ink, um, you know, digital voice ink as it were, um, because it really is a media play here. This is, this is a, this is as, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking of it as a, uh, you know, almost a virtual reality or anything like that. But this is, this is pure and simple, a, a media play. You know, a walled garden media play yeah, I agree with that this. will yeah. have its fingers into marketing, to branding, to e-commerce, to uh, content, to B two B, B two C. It's all gonna, it, it's all going to have a have a have a play here. So it's not just you know the evolution of social media. Um, it, it is it, it is so much bigger than that. And what I so first of all on the on the Facebook papers, you know, I mean. You know, hats off to the uh, and and I have not seen any sort of sourcing on this, but whoever in the media sort of decided to put a brand around that and and get it focused um, and make it a thing, you know, 
brilliant, first of all. Um, I thought that was that was really, you know, because just to your point, now people have can talk about it as a yep. thing instead of this sort of nine-armed, tentacled thing that nobody can really understand. Um, and so, but what I think is interesting is, and I was listening to uh, uh, Professor Galloway's podcast where he was interviewing uh, Meredith Broussard, who's uh, one of his colleagues at NYU, and she wrote a book um, just recently um, called Artificial Unintelligence. And he actually asked her to comment on this, and, and, and she had a comment about it that I thought was pretty, pretty spot on, um, which was, this is less about them being Philip Morris and the cigarette companies, and it's more about them being chemical companies. Um, and, and, and I thought that was an interesting metaphor because they, they then get into it and sort of explain it to say, you know, in the 70s, late 60s, 70s, and even into the early 80s, basically the regulators, the government came in and said, hey, look, you know, chemical companies are becoming so huge, they're just, they're polluting everything, right? You know, <laughs> you know, you, you know this better than anybody living where you live, you know, the, the pollution and the, the sort of horrible things that were happening in the environment based on chemical companies having little to zero regulation over them um, was awful. Well, yeah, and what's regulation in Flint, came in and basically... Yeah, Flint, what's happened in Flint, Michigan, and what happened in exactly. uh, like the Aaron Brockovich story is all about that. Yep, yeah. exactly, exactly. And so the, the, the idea here is, is that they're not going to come in and, and, and it, it, the, the angle, I think, that is most interesting here is not to come in and say that social media are cigarettes, is to rather say social media are chemicals and that if you're creating the chemicals, you have to also be responsible for cleaning up the mess that the chemicals create when you pollute the environment. And that includes things like radicalizing and misinformation and also the what's happening to teenagers and, and, and teenage girls especially and, and all those things. And that, I think, is a really interesting idea. And I still stick by my conspiracy theory here that at some level Facebook wants this, that that there is a that there is a level of you know uh, PR at play here to say yes we we definitely want this because if any company quite frankly because remember this isn't just Facebook this we're talking about Google we're talking about Twitter we're talking about LinkedIn we're talking about every social media platform out there that would ultimately fall under this kind of regulation and if there's any company that actually can withstand this from a financial perspective, it would be Facebook. And so in many ways, this fixing this would legitimize what they do. And, and, and so, I, you know, I, I think that there's, there's, you know, I mean, I, I don't think it's full on, you know, tinfoil hat stuff. Right. But I, I, I believe that there's that, that, that they're, that they're playing an active role in this. I'll put it that way. As it pertains to the metaverse, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm skeptical beyond sort of the you know the idea of you know looking at this from a small you know small m media idea um, which you know when I look at something like Roblox and I look at uh, even things like World of Warcraft where there are and Minecraft where there are true metaverses where they are true economies being mm -hmm. built in yep. there. They're for yes. real. Those are those things are for real. I mean, people spend days. I you know, I used to work in the video game business way way back in the day and and when when World of Warcraft was like, you know, maybe at its peak. 
And, you know, there were people who spent nine hours, 10 hours a day in World of Warcraft, you know, buying things, selling things, going on, you know, adventures, making friends, you know, they were living in World of Warcraft. And those those universes are full on economies. Minecraft is a full on economy, and, and Roblox is a full on economy, and you can build those things, but they are niche in, in in nature. And I don't think we're going to see sort of a you know a a, a reemergence of something like you know second life that we all saw in the early 2000s sort of take over the same level of presence that Facebook has today. I just, I don't see that. I can't see that. It's just too, too specialized right now. Certainly not in the short term, maybe 10, 15, 20 years from now, but not, not in the short term. We're not going to see billions of people signing up for a singular metaverse experience. It's just too many oh, people. God, I hope not. I, yeah. I hope it's, I hope it stays on different platforms. I think that what I'm intrigued with, what hasn't happened is... Well, that's a great point, too, well, by the way. That what you're saying is, is that, that the the idea of a singular place or a walled garden well, is that's what, and, and that's what I good. think Facebook yeah. wants. They want... Um, what what it what's the the place gregarious games they want to be or or the and I look at them as the bad in, in Ready Player One they're the they're the bad team they're right. IOI exactly that they want you want to log in and you go on to the Facebook metaverse but I think the the next thing that we're going to start seeing and this is why video games they're going to lead with with video games and crypto are going to lead with this thing because what. The, the model is already there where you have the economies going, but right now what you don't have is portability. I can't buy a sword in Valorant, which is a free game, which is the model now. Instead yep. of EA's That's model right. of $60 yep. buying Madden, the game, video game model they figured out is make it free and have them buy all kinds of stuff and upgrades. And if you get a small enough percent or a large enough percentage to buy all the stuff, it's going to be a billion-dollar franchise like Valorant is, and my, my son plays Valorant. But right now, I buy something in Valorant. That, by the way, is just a token. It's a, it's a sword. I only can use that in Valorant. I think you'll be able to port, port that over to another platform. I believe that you'll be able to take, ultimately, I don't know when this is going to happen, but they'll start to talk to each other where I can buy something in Roblox and move it into Minecraft. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, that's the there's the promise of a e-commerce-driven metaverse yes. right where you say i have x you know let's let's just use today's language and we'll say amex loyalty points right so you know i i get thousands of amex loyalty points because i buy stuff and do stuff with my amex card if i can port those amex tokens right now that their loyalty points have been shifted over now they're tokens and i can shift those tokens over to a valorant or i can give some to my kid to go buy a sword or do those things and they start becoming portable between platforms. Well, now you're talking about something right now. You're talking about, I mean, <laughs> you talk about the difficulty of, you know, it's already difficult enough for, you know, the government to regulate things like the value of, you know, your, your airline miles and, you know, putting a value on those things and putting values on, you know, the, the loyalty bucks that you get from your credit card companies and all those kinds of things that give you steep discounts on X or Y, that I mean, it, it is going to become so complex, so fast, and so powerful, quite frankly, for for those people to be able to you know to 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 utilize 
it will be cut. This is where this is where it transforms into a marketing strategy, yes. right? Because if I'm J.P. Morgan Chase, if I'm American Express, or if I'm you know um, Capital One, you know, so many of these credit card companies, or airlines, or restaurants, or anything where you sort of develop loyalty points, and quite frankly, that is really any business ever. And you can start making those things portable to other economies right. using, you know, social token. tokens or just, it's just tokens, a token. Everything, right? every everything yeah. is a token. I think. Well, the the article right. that uh, Joe Bagona shared with us on um, on this old marketing tag is perfect with Nike. So right. this Tuesday, Nike applied for seven trademarks uh, applications for their swoosh for Jordan. All kinds of stuff, because from what you and I are saying here, they don't want to create a separate token or a separate thing for 70,000 different worlds that are already, you know, there's already what, let's say there's a thousand different worlds and you and I only know 10 of them. We talked. We talk of Roblox, uh, World of Warcraft, Valorant, whatever, the Fortnite. Those are already built. And then there's going to be a whole bunch more. But Nike is already integrated with some of those. And they have to do a lot of work to integrate so you can go into a certain platform and get your Nike shoes. Well, if they're portable, which they the technology is getting to that point where you can take those, you can buy it one time from Nike and take them all over the place. And, of course, the value of that increases. So it's a great brand move. Nike's actually selling a new product. It just, and that's where I think yes. a lot of people lose touch. And where you say a token or a fungible token or a non fungible token, it gets too technologisty, right? They don't like, oh no no, yeah, it's just that's a right. thing. Yeah. It's just it, it's just the, a way to account for ownership on the web. It's the one it's the one thing the internet has now that we can show digital ownership and value. And so Nike's in on board with it. You're gonna. You're well. It's portable. I think what you're what the 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 key word there is portable, portability, right? Yeah. Is because because that is the val when you have value with a currency, any kind of currency, any kind of you know whether it be silver, gold, paper dollars, you know anything that has is it is quite frankly the you know fungibility is the is the key there how how actually recognized is this across different economies and once you have that recognition across economies that people value this thing well now you have something that is differentiating for yeah. sure but two the source of wealth and and it's it, it's just going to be fascinating it was something i didn't tell you by the way even in our in our pre-show chat one of the things that I've learned in the last week and a half, I've had a couple of people come to me with questions on this, and one of them started to tell me about what's going on here in Hollywood. Because right now, as you might expect, there's many of these talent agencies, you know, William Morris and CAA and all of them, what are they doing? Well, they're looking at these NFT communities like Board Ape, Yacht Club, and you know, and Crypto Dads and Crypto yeah, Punks and all up. of that, and they're they're saying basically, how do we build content platforms around all those? Right? How do we build television shows, movies, etc. around these characters? How do we, in other words, how do we build a world for these collections of characters? And what they're doing is they're starting to hire Hollywood writers to write the world, to create the world for these characters. 
so that they actually start to, they can be distributed via traditional classic media. You build the value of the world. Now you, but now the way they're funding that is sort of a chicken and egg situation, right? Do you, do you launch the characters and get people like you and me and everybody else to sort of buy into the intellectual property of the characters first and then build a world or do you build a world and then and it and it's a really interesting debate right now that's going on that says hey we can get this crowdfunded right you know in other words you can own stock like you own like you own stock in Bart Simpson and and you know so as you own the token you own that character now every time that character gets played on TV you get a little bit of dough that oh my god! You talk about a fascinating sort of, um, uh, sort of economy it, that that builds. It's really crazy. I mean, you know, and you know, I own a, a crypto dad, and and one of the, I mean, they yeah. do a great job. But one of the reasons why is I'm trying to learn. Like I'm trying to put my arms around this and figure it out. But so you own a crypto dad, and then so so there's been they've been doing some crazy things. So you get then you get a crypto mom. So everyone that has a dad gets a, gets a mob, and then if you have a mom and a dad, you get a tot. It's crazy, right? But they're yeah. doing they they've already been talked to. They were talking about somebody uh, planning a, a Netflix series around the crypto yeah. dads or the crypto universe that they have. I guess they're building some land. They're actually building their own metaverse so that you can you know every crypto family gets its own land. They can build a house, you know. Kind of like Roblox, right? This is a crazy, crazy right. stuff. Yeah, exactly. But, but you're right. The key to the making this is why we're talking about it a lot on this show is the fact that to drive these communities and audience building is going to be the stories behind it. So they're they're almost back ending the stories. They start with the asset, and then it's it, it's almost like uh, there was this big NFT project called Loot. Have you heard of this Loot? What what Loot did? I have not. Anyways, I Loot not, went out. No. And uh, the creator basically, they create every every loot NFT that you bought was was like uh, you you had a gr- a bunch of stuff like from Dungeons and Dragons you'd have you'd have a sword you'd you'd have uh, you know, spell spell powers you'd have all these kinds of things and he didn't give any di- the owner the creator didn't give any direction to it you just could buy a card and you got these qualities with it just like your Minotaur would or whatever. Well, people started to go crazy, and I guess there's like a hundred different games that were created from that. So all the guy did right. was put out, "Here's the tools. Go write your story." And these things are being created. <laughs> By the way, if you wanted, if you want to buy one of these things now, it costs you like twenty thousand dollars for just one. It's nuts, nuts, nuts. But that's anyways, amazing. it's amazing. It, it, I think that's where we're, we're headed, and what's going to drive all these communities is the stories behind it, and uh, and that's why I love this whole area. So it's bringing my two passions together so that that's the you know and so i think that's the lesson that's the takeaway here for for me and i it sounds like for you which is when we think about this you know and this is something that i when i was having coffee with my friend i said i said that this is this is a new way to tell the same story we've been telling for hundreds yes. of years right it's just the the power the 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 real power is building an audience and telling a great story to that audience that keeps them engaged. That's it. That's all we're doing. All we're doing is remonetizing that and building because <clears throat> when I when I was talking to him about it, I said the the power that anything will get created here whether it's, you know, Mark Zuckerberg launching some big, you know, second life, you know, or, you know, Ready Player 1 sort of, uh, you know, metaverse of game playing it will all, 
all of it will have zero to do with the technology and zero to do with the actual ways that you interact and everything will have to do with the power and engaging content that they create and the audience they're able yep. to attract with it. And and that's where the that's where the power is. And so if you're trying to figure this out, I think that's the, you know, if you're a brand, if you're a, a creator, if you're, you know, a technologist in this space, it matters not other than how can you create an audience and create the content to support it? It's interesting. Because yeah. the rest of it is just ones and zeros. It's, it's interesting. I've been trying to, you know, with the, with our revenue model and killing marketing, and then we took it another level in Content Inc., where you have the loyal audience in the middle, and you have 10 different ways that you can generate revenue. You, real, and I'm trying to figure out, okay, where does where do tokens go? Where does NFTs go? And I'm really trying to figure it out. And I'm almost like you almost have a secondary system, one system, keep it the way it is. It lives in fiat dollars. You can go to many different places. You can go and sell your event like you would regularly. People buy tickets. Uh, you could sell advertising and sponsorship. You could sell subscriptions for dollars, uh, affiliate market products, and you could sell them on different platforms, just like you normally would, like any company would. Or you could have it within your own account to- token economy and you control the supply chain. Like you're selling directly to the person instead of selling on Amazon or selling in a marketplace or sell, selling wherever it's going, you're going to sell it. You could sell it directly to them through some token system and you could sell conferences and events with this, premium content, subscriptions, products, all with That's the token right. that you have. That's why, you, to your point, That's it. brands are going to be all over this in the next three years because you know what they hate more than anything else? Working with other people's systems. <laughs> and having to go get permission right. to sell on other platforms, which this might be a solution for that. Yeah, well, and that that portability will be differentiation, right? You know, so the the you know if I can use my points that I that I you know that I purchase, you know, if I have the choice between two software systems, two you know tools, two products. You know, the one that offers me portability for my loyalty to take it to other things is the winner. Yep. And I think we're starting to see that now with the acquisitions that we're starting to see, you know, which puts a new lens on a lot of these acquisitions like Intuit and MailChimp and and, and some of those kinds of things to say there's a really interesting thing with portability here in terms of your loyalty and what you how you use that product across different aspects of your life and that will ultimately in some ways be a differentiation in in marketing and brand um because you know if for example you might never have signed up for a you know a chase credit card because you're young you don't care and i'm going to talk a little bit about this in my rave a little bit later but but you know you you might not have it you know chase doesn't mean anything to you that's your dad's bank you don't give a crap, you know, you, you, uh, you know, I've heard bad things about Chase, et cetera, et cetera, you know, um, or you might say, oh, Goldman Sachs, 1%, Goldman Sachs is the one percenters, you know, I don't like Goldman Sachs, you know, what role they had to play in, you know, the 2008, you know, 2009 crisis, all that kind of stuff. I would never get a credit card for Goldman Sachs, but you did when you signed up for Apple Pay, right? When you, when you signed up for that Apple credit card, you got a Goldman Sachs credit card, but you got an Apple credit card. And that portability between those two systems is 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 truly what makes that you know it made it the largest credit card launch in history, mm-hmm. and 
that's you know that there's there's interesting things. Well, the last thing I'll say about this because we've dominated the entire show, but I think it's in a really important yeah. topic. This is the one reason. I mean, <laughs> I think this is true. This is the reason I came out of retirement. I I think like I always wanted to be more. It wasn't to sort of explain Odell Beckham <laughs> Jr. to the. No, that's so why you did. Oh, I thought that's yeah, why you that came was out really, of retirement. It's, it's close. It was a close call. Um, no, I the, see. So. I always wanted to be more intuitive during the late 90s when you had, you know, Apple blowing up and Amazon and and, uh, and eBay. And I was around, I was paying attention, but I was still too young. I just didn't know enough. And I'm like, oh, I wish I would have taken better advantage of that time. And then, you know, Bitcoin takes off from 08 to 13. I'm like, oh, I wish I'd have been more attentive during that time. Well, now I feel like this is a bigger opportunity now for the for the change that because you and I when we make our money we make it off of disruption. We made our money and our name because there was a disruption in marketing. That was content marketing. And this was a great yeah. and this is a continuation of that disruption and into into tokens, NFTs, branded experience, metaverse, whatever you want to call it. We don't know what it's going to be. We're 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 guessing at this point. Uh, we have some ideas, but we're not sure. But I feel that's where I'm excited because I think this is the biggest opportunity we've ever seen. And I think this is the internet was made for somebody to financialize it. And finally, I think we're there. And that's the token. There it is. Done. Well said. Done. All right. Yes. Du- done. Done. Goodbye. Good night. Done. See, I'm telling you, if you get if you got the you and me and Baker and, <laughs> and OBJ in a room, we could solve it. OB, we could solve. I it I do like guys. OBJ because he owns a crypto punk. But other than that, don't be throwing out the video of you not getting the ball. That just seems like sour grapes. Uh, it's not just right. Silly. It's just silly. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Anyway, we're going to cover one more story here in the show before we get to our rants and rave section. Um, and the story, because it's very related and, and it's also very interesting um, for, especially if for those of you who are Roku uh, users and owners, um, the headline comes to us courtesy of 9to5google.com. And the headline is, as YouTube feud drags on, Roku reportedly is also battling with Amazon over user data. Uh, and the article opens up by saying, Roku has been battling Google for the last few months over YouTube and YouTube TV, but it seems it may not be the only fight. According to a new report, Roku and Amazon may also be feuding over access to user data, which could have effects on Prime Video and other services if things go down the same path as they have with Google. There's an update that literally happened yesterday in this uh, story that says Roku says in a statement to 9to5Google that negotiations with Amazon are not currently underway. The company explains in a statement, we have renewal discussions with hundreds of partners each year in the normal course of business, providing our customers the best possible user experience and value is our goal. Our Amazon agreement is not up for renewal at this time and there are currently no negotiations underway, but I guarantee you it's coming. For those of you not in the sort of know, and I wasn't until late last week um, when I uh, read an article about this, which is that Roku and YouTube, basically Google or Alphabet, if you prefer, um, have been fighting over prime search 
you know, placement uh, on their uh, on their platform, on the Roku platform, which is kind of rich, actually, if you think about it for a minute, that Google is bitching about their search Terrible. placement um, on another platform. And then secondly, the access to first party or the user data uh, on the Roku system, Google wants that too, um, for the obvious reason. Um, and, and all of that is causing Roku and basically Google to not, to be a loggerheads with one another and Google is basically saying, nope, then you get no YouTube. Um, so you, if you're a Roku user, you get no access to YouTube on Roku at the moment because they can't seem to Just agree. taking this ball and um, going home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, the bigger story, I think, here is that th- this, is, this is just the oh, beginning yes. of yes. this. This is just the beginning of, you know, and boy, does this remind me of the mid-90s. Um, so in the mid-90s, I was in uh, cable TV. I worked for a cable TV network. I worked for Showtime Networks. And this was, you know, this was back in the day where there wasn't like four cable companies. There were hundreds of cable companies. And, you know, every neighborhood basically had their own cable company. Even here in Los Angeles, we had like Falcon Cable and Smith Cable and Hughes Cable. And, you know, I mean, you had basically you know, local providers that had grown up during the 70s and 80s were still around. And this was before, you know, Comcast and Charter and and sort of those companies sort of swallowed everybody up. And the interesting thing was, was where you were going to get coverage, right? Where you, what power you had as a network to get coverage. And I'll never forget, because this was in the days when Showtime was sort of like, I mean, you can argue that Showtime may still be sort of an also ran, but HBO could walk into any cable company and basically show the logo on their card and go, you're going to carry HBO. You just need to tell us what channel is going to be on and here's your contract and sign it or you're dead. You know, when Showtime would show up, we had to show up with boxes of coats and swag and all this kind of stuff and like, you know, promise to get you to a Mike Tyson fight and, you know, and all that stuff to get them to try and get coverage because... You know, the difference between HBO and Showtime that time was like, you know, HBO had like twice as many subscribers and you just didn't have the power. And God help you if you were one of the small little cable networks that were covering, you know, you know, sports or, you know, home and garden television and all those kinds of things. And that's what really drove the both the sort of creation of the one big, huge cable systems, the charters and the Comcasts. And also what is what drove the thing that everybody hates today, which is the bundling, the bundling of all these cable networks that came together because basically what HBO did was they walked into the cable companies and said, no, 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 here's the way it's going to be, folks. You're not only going to cover HBO, you're also going to carry Cinemax. You're going to cover, you know, you're going to, you're you're also going to, you know, take this network, that network, you're going to take four HBOs, you're going to take our HBO sports channel, you know, you're going to take all these things. And if you don't like what happened with cable TV in the late 90s and early 2000s, guess what? This is exactly what's happening now with Amazon and YouTube and Roku and all of those different kind of carriers that are that are battling for space on the local, you know, you, you consider it the first screen of your iPhone, but it's the first screen of what happens when you turn on that thing on your wall. So it's a fascinating time. I love your uh, idea of the cable company because I think that's exact. I, if we're we could be at peak web two, 
And that's right. Because it's just gotten unwieldy. Like you and I were listening to Prof G podcast today, this morning, and he said that 93% of all searches come from one company. That's Google. Number one and number two search engines in the world. Yeah. That's scary when you have, and whether or not you believe they're evil or good or doesn't matter, the fact that one company controls the, the most of the internet information that's going out to individuals, that's a problem. So you basically have uh, five, six companies that control most of the information. And that's, that's how it used to be with cable companies. And now you see what happened. Most cable companies are not in the greatest shape right now because they started making demands. They started to create their walled gardens. They st- And, you know, you have these. So I think to take it to the next level of what you're saying is that um, I think f- maybe we're going to come to a point where you, you they've just gotten too big. That's either going to regulations going to take them down or I mean, <laughs> The fact that YouTube and Amazon are complaining that Roku is is as too much power is ridiculous. Is so it's it's yeah. laughable. Here's a Roku is, is the size of what they're about a fifteen twenty billion dollar company or something like that. That that's I mean just think Apple has two trillion dollars or something in cash whatever they've got. <laughs> I mean that's right. So so it's nothing. Yeah. It's a hangnail for them. So and, right. so and they're exactly. really trying to push well, their weight around, and I don't think they can do this for much longer because we've got other options on the way, and I'm you know I'm I'm excited about those and just you think you're gonna you're right you're, we're gonna see one of these a week where you they're just they're just desperately ch- Facebook's this is the same conversation we had in the beginning with Facebook it's interesting how it worked out this way you've got big companies that are just trying to throw their weight around however they think is possible to keep that power because they're gonna do anything yeah. to keep that power. Exactly. You know, so you just got to, you know, to put it to, to sort of bring the metaphor around Roku here is your small little family owned cable network that serves, you know, a small neighborhood, right? A small, a small ish audience, right? A niche yeah. audience. And Google and Amazon here, that's basically HBO in 1994 walking in going, no, no, no. You don't understand how this works, Roku. You carry us, whether you want to or not. You know, this is literally Tony Soprano walking in going, you want to do a little business? This is the way it's going to be, you know? And so that's, uh, it's, 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 it'll be very interesting because it's in all of our best interests that not only Roku survived this, that the Roku that is trying to be right now survived this, that others you know, technology providers and providers that provide, you know, for, you know, the, the kinds of content and the kinds of access to content that we want is, is good. It's good for us as marketers. It's good for us as consumers. And, you know, so fighting for those things is a, is a, is a good thing. The fact that in the YouTube case that they're going in saying we want first billing and we want data, unnecessary data that we really don't want all your user data. Right. And then they're walking away if they don't get it is, is ridiculous. Is absolutely ridiculous yes. that they're doing that, and and again they can because they're one of the right. five biggest companies. And in you the world. see why, from a business perspective, you see why they're doing it, right? I can't, you know, given the current market conditions, I can see, I I, I understand the rationale of why they're doing it because it, you know, it they get it's in their best interest. Uh, it would strike me that it's you know at some point it becomes a self defeating idea. 
But when you're as big as Google, it's that, like you say, Roku is a hangnail, right? I mean, it's they, they don't care. They don't care about those little companies. They just don't, it doesn't matter ultimately in the bigger scheme of what they're doing. So the way that we can help is that we can make it yep. matter. We can, we can, we can, we can make those things matter. Absolutely. Wah. They just took it. <laughs> it's so funny. Really, that's, yeah. that, that's my visualization yeah. of it. They at least take their soccer ball yeah. and they go home. They're like, done. I'm done with you. And then they don't have any balls. That's right. With. Sad. Yeah, that's right. All right, let's do uh, let's do quickly. Let's do some rants oh, yes. and raves, sure. should we? All right. Well, ladies, ladies, gentlemen, and gentle thems. How about that for a new way to say that? Uh, it is now time for our rants and raves. You know when Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like Odell Beckham Jr. or something that makes us feel a little like Baker Mayfield. <laughs> how about that? Um, uh, do you, I, I have two quick things. Go, or let me, do you want to go, go first? first yeah, or let do, me go first. So I have okay, two, sure. two raves. Yeah. One is, uh, this is just a side rave. And I never, I've never really been a Ro- Aaron Rodgers fan, but, um, oh, no. but oh, yeah, he's taking part of his NFL salary in Bitcoin now. So now I am. Uh, yeah. So anyways, I just had to throw that out there. So, and I know okay, he's doing yeah. it because he's in a square promo, uh, but <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. He's getting bit. Anyone, anyone that gets crypto as part Him of their payment Brady. is now. I'm, I'm now. Yeah. Even if, if OBJ did it, I probably would be a fan of OBJ. Um, the, the my my real rave, and I'm. I told you this before the show. I'm on my second listen of this, and I'll put the link in the show notes. But this is the the Bankless podcast with A16Z's Chris Dixon, and they go through. Basically, he goes through different men, mental models, and a lot of this is around. The, the new media environment, uh, tokenization, uh, NFTs, basically um, what we just talked about this entire episode. Talks about meta. And it gave me, uh, I, I started thinking about so many things differently after listening to it. And now I'm in my second listen. And I'll probably listen to it a third time. That's how critical I think listen. And by the way, I'm a huge Chris Dixon fan. So I don't know if you follow Chris Dixon. Oh, yeah. He's, he's amazing. Awesome. Oh, I do. He's Absolutely. been around yeah. forever. But now years, he's really years, he's, yeah. he leads the I think he leads crypto and NFTs at A16Z and they're doing amazing work. I actually just saw a thing that A16Z might go public, uh, which is which would be a new thing. Um, but anyways, I I can't recommend that would be I can't know it is where it is, isn't it? I can't recommend it highly enough that you would listen to this. And that's where I mean you heard a lot about uh, Chris's thinking in this podcast from me is he believes in the. The, the, that the token is finally the financial model that will make the internet what the internet was always supposed to be. Now, you could say that's pie in the sky. You could say we've got a long way to go, but we definitely see the indicators. And the last thing I'll say about it, and this is where it really started to hit home, how early we are in this process when he said, look, we've only got 10, 10 million digital MetaMask wallets of 7 billion people. So th- this is so early this yeah. is 1995 internet early right that we're in That's this right. and so a lot of this stuff as you and i have talked about on this podcast is conjecture it's guessing it's uh you you're gonna see a lot of people make stupid mistakes a lot of these nft projects that are out there and i will agree with you on they are really hilariously stupid and people are you know people are taking a bath on it and you're gonna see that just like you saw the globe.com go public you know, you're going to see the same type of things happen here, but you're going to have your winners like we saw in the late 90s. And uh, we're, you're going to start to see the, the economy like completely change its shape. 
Um, so anyways, I just wanted to throw that out there. That's the It's the Bankless Podcast with Chris Dixon. Uh, it was from November 1st or something like that, but I'll put it in the show notes so everybody can link to it. It's must listen to. So that's my rave. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. I'm on, I, I just wrote it down. I'm going to have to go. I'm going to go subscribe to it because I have not actually subscribed to that podcast yet. You, I've, I listened to one episode that you recommended a while back. Yeah, I'm a paid, I'm a, I'm a paid to subscriber it. to their Substack. I mean, I'm actively supporting them in what they're doing at Bankless because, of course, I believe, I believe in their mission and what they're doing. But they, they have some of the best content out there. I believe. I, <laughs> I can believe. What do you got on your All right. side? All right, so I'm not going to do my impression there. Um, I have two quick things, which is one, uh, it's from the New York Times. Uh, the headline is Apple's most back ordered new product is not what you might expect. Uh, it's apparently uh, a $19 cloth. Uh, that's right. You heard that correctly. Uh, Apple this month, of course, announced a whole bunch of new uh, machines, more powerful MacBooks, uh, AirPod wireless headphones, uh, HomePod minis, all that kind of stuff. But the back ordered item that has the most back orders is, quite frankly, a six by six inch cloth used to wipe Come all your on. smudges off of your screens. Not even kidding. Uh, $19 for this little rag. And so this is the key here. I mean, go read the article if you want, but basically the headline for me is brand matters. It brand matters. It you if you have a strong brand for, you know, I I I I don't get it much these days, but I certainly get a lot of people, some CEOs and and I literally had a CEO, you know, a couple of weeks ago, a client actually tell me, "Nah, brand doesn't matter that much in these days. Brand brand does not. Yes, it does. <laughs> it absolutely does, and this is proof. If you can charge three times basically or, you know, twice as much as your competitor for a rag that, that you could charge $19 for a piece of cloth that, that is ostensibly a rag with your logo on it, you're doing something right. Um, and so I mean, whether you think it's worth it or not, it doesn't matter. The fact that they're charging $19 for a rag and they're chock-a-block full of orders for it just tells me all I need to know. Um, you know, this is... <laughs> You know, we talk a lot about the excess cash around in the world um, for, you know, for things like NFTs and those kinds of things. But this is this is that right. This is the this is what the value of of a brand is anyway. So a rave there, I guess, for at the Apple brand more than anything else, but just a fascinating piece crazy. of commentary just alongside. Crazy. The second thing is I, I think I rave about this every year. Um, it's and it's just because I I love every single year what they do. Um, I'm a little bummed that it came out as early as it did um, because of you know it's just I'm not ready for Christmas yet. Um, but the John Lewis uh, Christmas ad they do one every single year. Every single year it's amazing. Um, they just the the creative behind what they're doing is absolutely beautiful. This year, it's uh, it's a wonderful. I'm not spoiling anything. A tale of a teenage boy and an alien girl uh, on Christmas, and it's you know the the magic of Christmas. And go watch it. We'll link it in the show notes. Um, but it's just fantastic. It's just once again fantastic and touching and lovely. Great advertising, great storytelling, and you know just a, a, a this is this is what marketing should be. It's so, so early there for you holidays, though. 
So it is so it is definitely so early for holidays. I'm not sure I can take it, but yeah. That means, there you yeah, go. we're almost on Thanksgiving and then oh my goodness. Another year has yeah, passed. There you go. That's right. Another year has passed. It's mm-hmm. amazing. That's it. Yeah. What's on check? What's what do you got? Uh, yeah, what do you got this what? week? That is a great question. Uh, we are actually going to see some family uh, over the weekend. We're oh, going lovely. to take a little lovely. little driving trip. I don't want to say where because it might yeah. be close. If anybody's listening, don't come by the house. I got it. Like, <laughs> got the Doberman. No. Yeah, okay. no, we're going to go see some family. We're starting our, <laughs> starting our holiday travels. I know, so nuts. But yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to oh go do God. that. And uh, yeah, so it'll be hopefully <laughs> good, good, driving, good driving weather. What do you got going on? Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to go, we're going to try and go out to the beach this weekend and just hang out a little bit. Um, I have a big trip next week. I have my last trip of the year. Um, third trip of this year and last. I'm going to see some of the CMI gang out in Washington, D.C. Um, and then uh, and then I have a speaking engagement down in Orlando, Florida, which will be my last um, place, you know, my, my favorite place in the world. You know how much I love Orlando, Florida. Hey. You love it. Love um, it. You secretly love do it. love it. Yeah. But it's going to be great. It's a great event. Uh, great, great uh, group of people that I'm going to be speaking with. Um, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the speaking part. I'm looking less forward to the Orlando part. But um, that'll be my last trip. And then I'm back, yeah, for the holiday and there all you that. Go. Absolutely. Crazy, yeah. crazy stuff. All right. Remember, folks, get us up your questions. Get them in the audio form. If you go to the site, get them in the hashtag in the Twitter. We want your questions. 300 is coming up, and we're going to make it a special thing. Um, But for now, we're going to sign off. And remember, all that wonderful stuff, including the ability to send us questions, you can get at our site, thisoldmarketing.site. And that's where you can get all the wonderful shows, including the other 295 episodes of this show as we approach 300 Remember, until we meet again, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.